And as I mentioned earlier, we are talking about prayer today. In fact, this is part two of a two-part series on prayer, and this message is called Requests. Um, similar to uh, what Bob had to say this morning, there's something I learned from my dad. In fact, it's not just similar, it's the same thing. Something I learned from my dad when I was very young is that God answers our prayers with either a yes, a no, or a wait. And that's just how it is. Uh, when I was a kid, I went to church and I went to Sunday school and there was one a Sunday afternoon I was very excited to share with my dad what I learned in Sunday school. Now don't get me wrong, I don't remember all of the Sunday school lessons. In fact, I have forgotten most of them. But I came home excited one afternoon because I learned that God always answers our prayers. And I was, Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a wait. And yes, there can be variations of that. You can get a yes from God, but it's a yes, but not exactly what you asked for. There could be a no. No, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for, but I'm going to give you something else instead. But, but basically, those are the kind of answers we get from God. We get a yes, we get a no, or we get, we get a wait. Over the course of uh, this year, our family, uh, we've lifted up some very big prayers to God over the course of this year. Wow, it's been a challenging year, hasn't it? A tough year for our family, a tough year for so many. And uh, over the course of this year, we have gotten some no's from God, received some no's from God. Uh, in the fall, I got the news, difficult news, that my grandmother, 89 years old, um, was being moved into hospice care. So she had lived a wonderful life, and um, she was a believer and, and, and ready to go home, ready to go home to heaven. But to get that news uh, was difficult. And so we were praying for my grandma. We were praying that she would be comforted. She had peace about um, her life and had peace about being able to finally pass on and go to heaven. We were praying for her peace. But I was also asking God for an opportunity to see her face-to-face -face one more time before she passed. And I asked God for that, not because I had some kind of unfinished business, because I didn't. You know, I told my grandma I loved her and we had a wonderful conversation over the phone and all that. That's, that's, that's fantastic. But I was just praying for one more time to see her face to face before she passed. And God answered that prayer with a no. With a no. I was not able to do that. Okay. So be it. That's the reality of our prayer life. We present our requests to God, and He answers sometimes with a yes, sometimes with a no, sometimes, sometimes with a wait. Earlier this year, um, as many of you know, and I don't want to bring the room down, um, but my mom had COVID in uh, end of uh, last year and beginning of this year, and it was serious, became COVID pneumonia, and of course, what we're praying for is a healing, right? My mom turned 66 years old while she was in the hospital, and so we're praying for her healing, we're praying for her healing, and many of you are praying for her healing as well, and my mom passed away in February uh, 20th of this year. So we got an answer to that prayer, and the answer was no. Now you can look at it in a different way. You can say, well, God did answer the prayer with a yes because he did heal my mom because now she's in heaven. She's not sick anymore, and she's perfectly healthy. And so you could say, yeah, it was, a, it was an answer to a prayer. It was a yes. Sure, you could think of it that way, and that would be absolutely appropriate. But at the same time, I feel like I can acknowledge God knows exactly what I was praying for, and I was asking that he would heal my mom, that she would not pass away. So God gave me, God gave me a no, that prayer request. Because God gives us no's. And he gives us yeses. And sometimes, sometimes he gives us waits. Over the course of this year, I've also received a number of yeses to my prayer requests that I've lifted up. You know, when you lose a parent, I mean, that's such a 
an emotionally difficult thing, but there's also like this administrative stuff. And like for my mom, I was the executor of her estate. Isn't that a fancy title? Ooh la la, the executor of the estate. It sounds like a ridiculous thing when especially like you're dealing with like mostly debt, right? But I'm the executor. Somebody has to be the executor of the debt, right? And so I was the executor of the estate, and there's all this legal stuff that you have to go through, and there were some complications because nothing was in her name, and everything was in my dad's name, and he passed it for years ago. I was like, well, this is a mess to deal with. And so there was a whole lot of prayers. God helped us through this probate process and helped us in court, and God answered yes to so many of those prayers, and it was just, for as difficult as it was emotionally, it was just smooth sailing through the legal administrative process. My brother and I, we had to put our mom's house up for sale, again, an emotional thing, but uh, we needed a certain amount of money <laughs> to cover the debt. There was a magic number that we needed to hit. We need to sell the house for this much so we can pay off the debt. And so we're praying big prayers over that. And God answered that prayer with a yes. And it was really, I mean, wasn't it easy? Huh? It was like surprisingly easy to sell the house. And we could say, ah, it just worked out that way. Or we could acknowledge, no, God, God showed up. And he answered those big prayers with with the yes. You know, the way that we're wired as human beings, and maybe you're the exception to this, but so many of us, we fixate on the negative. We fixate on when we've been let down. And for those of us who are believers and those of us who have a prayer life, we can fixate on the no's that we have received, and we can fixate on that disappointment, and that's just natural, I guess. It's just human nature. But I want to encourage all of us to also choose to acknowledge, choose to fixate on the yeses as well. And how many times has God come through and delivered and given you exactly what you asked for? And then there are those other occasions where we don't even ask. We don't even pray about it, and God just delivers us and, and gives us something or blesses us in some way. I mean, Jesus tells us that God knows what we need even before we can ask. I mean, Bob shared that story. He's four years old. Can you imagine four-year-old Bob on his tricycle? I can't, right? <laughs> four-year-old Bob on his tricycle, Right? And he didn't wake up that morning and say, God, please protect me from kidnappers. No. But God's prevenient grace, that's what we call that. We Christians have a term for everything. Prevenient grace, God protected Bob even before he could lift up those prayers. And so what I want to encourage us to do is, yes, we don't really have to, like, we don't have to cover for God when he gives us a no, right? We can just acknowledge, I prayed for this, and God said no. We can acknowledge that. But let's not fixate on the no's. Let's celebrate the yeses. Let's celebrate the blessings. Let's celebrate how God comes through for us as we need Him. If you spend enough time in a church setting, eventually you're going to read the book of Philippians and you're going to hear Philippians chapter 4. This is a well-loved passage. Mrs. Rooney read a few verses, a couple of verses for us this morning. They're in your bulletin. I want to encourage you to take a look at those verses. Again, a well-loved passage. And if you're going to hear a sermon series about anxiety and stress and worry, you're probably going to hear this passage referenced in the midst of that series. But what Paul's talking about in this passage really is, is more about prayer and the power of prayer and the role of prayer in the life of a believer. Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. I'm awfully glad that Paul continues from this point, right? Because that's just about the worst advice I've ever received. What, are you anxious about something? Well, stop it. Don't be, right? Did you ever get that advice? Just don't worry about it. Isn't that the worst advice you've ever given, gotten, right? I have given that advice to people in my household. What are you worried about? Don't worry about it. Oh, thanks, Dad. Okay. No, we need more than that, Paul. And he gives us more than that. He says, 
Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not just the stuff you're worried about, not just the stuff you're stressed about, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, petition meaning repeated prayers, keep going back to God, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with a thankful attitude, with a thankful heart, thanking God that you're able to commune with Him, that you're, that you're allowed to have audience with God. I mean, think about that. The God of the universe who's all-powerful and all-knowing has allowed you entrance into His throne room, has allowed you to commune, to communicate with Him. And so to take every situation, my prayer and petition with a thankful heart, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And my friends, that's the key word, requests. We present our requests to God, not commands, not orders, but our requests. On Tuesday night at prayer group, we have an opening prayer time, and then we gather requests, right? That's what we call it. What are your prayer requests? Not what are your prayer demands? We don't call it that. No, it's not how it works. These are requests that we present to God. And when we present our requests to God, He will give us an answer. And it's yes, or it's no, or it's wait. There is a situation that um, we Christians can enter into, and um, sometimes it's just something that happens. But we can get a sense that, that God owes us a certain answer to our prayers, right? And so if you're somebody, and you're, you're living within God's boundaries, and you're, you're serving Jesus, and you're doing everything you can to please Jesus, you can start to feel like, well, I'm going to ask God for this, and He's going to owe me a yes on this one, right? And it's something that just, just can happen in our hearts. And you can find plenty of Scripture passages in the Old and New Testament that speak about God's blessing when we serve Him, when we honor Him. He will bless us back, absolutely. And that's real. And that's valid. But make no mistake, God doesn't owe us. God doesn't owe us a yes. God doesn't owe us anything. Heard about this guy named Job in the Old Testament? Have you read that book? Wow, oh, such a wild and just powerful account of this man named Job and what he goes through back in Old Testament times. It's back a long time ago, probably in the time of Abraham. And so there's this man who serves God, who's devoted to God, who wants to live within God's boundaries and makes every effort to do so. And he had experienced hardship like, like no one else has ever experienced. And his kids die and his possessions are taken from him. And he falls into ill health. And she's like, why? Why would God do this? Why would God do this? And you go through the book of Job, and his friends are trying to come up with an answer as to why he's experiencing this suffering. And Job's like, no, it's not because of my sin. I don't know why I'm going through all this. Job cries out to God and says, why, God? Why? Haven't I served you? Haven't I loved you? Haven't I sacrificed you? What more can I do? Why, God? And God answers Job in a storm. This powerful scene unfolds. The voice of God booms through, makes its way to Job's ears. And there's this long and beautiful speech by God in which he tells Job exactly who he is and he reminds Job of their relationship dynamic. And he says, Job, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you where I decided here's where the land stops and here's where the sea begins? Where were you, Job, during all that process? Where were you? Job, who do you think 
that you are. And in this very long speech, God puts Job back in his place. He says, Job, I'm paraphrasing, Job, I don't owe you anything because I am God and you are not. That's tough. Have you ever been put in your place before? Oh, never happened to you? In a work setting, maybe, right? You kind of overstep your bounds and you get put back in your place. Ooh. But you know what? Job accepts it because God's right. God is God, and the rest of us are not. God doesn't owe us anything. And let me tell you, that's a beautiful thing. You know why? That means that everything that God has done for us is not out of some sense of obligation. It means that everything that God has done for us is not because he owes us, but because he loves us. And God sent his one and only son into this world, not because he had to, not because he was obligated to, not because he owed us something, no, but because he loves us. Us. And God has extended to every human being, he's extended the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, not because he owes us, but because, because he loves us. Paul, the same Paul that, that wrote this letter to the Philippians, that wrote Philippians chapter 4 and all the rest of the book, Paul knew exactly what it was like to receive answers from God. The answer of yes in prayer, the answer of no, and the answer of weight. He knew what he was speaking about. Paul went through uh, a very serious affliction. Uh, we don't know all the details of this, but in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, Paul is explaining this difficult position that he was in. You see, Paul, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was a sent one. That's what apostle means. But his status as an apostle was questioned by Christians because Paul was not part of the original 12 disciples. And so he was left in this awkward spot where he had to really defend his status as an apostle and he really had to prove himself and say, well, look what I've done and look what Christ has accomplished through me. But at the same time, you couldn't boast about it, you know what I mean? Like, who do you think you are being arrogant about all the stuff you've done for Jesus? So it was a tough spot that Paul was in. And so Paul's explaining all this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read uh, beginning with the middle of verse 7. Paul says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, right, to prevent Paul from becoming arrogant over the, all the wonderful things that Christ was doing through him, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. A lot of questioning over the years of what is Paul talking about here? Some kind of affliction, some kind of a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan? Is that a real messenger of Satan? Is it something physical? I mean, this reference to a thorn in the flesh leads us to believe it was some kind of a physical ailment, some kind of a physical condition, you know? Some people have speculated maybe it was Paul's uh, inability to, to speak in public, because here he is, he writes these wonderful, eloquent letters, and then he goes to speak to these churches, and they're like, is this the same guy? You write so beautifully, but you can't speak? What's going on here? Some kind of affliction, a serious one. And so what does Paul do? Paul who wrote most of the New Testament and gives us, the church, most of our instructions for how to be the church. What does Paul do when he's faced with this affliction? He prays. He prays over it. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Pleaded. We're not talking about little bloop, prayers. We're talking about pleading with the Lord. Three times I went before the Lord and said, God, take this away from me. 
take this away from me. This affliction, God, take this away from me. God, it's getting in the way. I'm trying to do your work, and i got to deal with this ailment wherever I go. Take it away from me. I could be more powerful for you, God. I could serve you better. Take it away. Take it away from me. Goodness gracious, if anybody, if anybody deserves to have their prayers answered with a yes, it's Paul. Who's done more for Jesus than Paul? And so Paul prays. He pleads with God, take this ailment away from me. And God says... God says no. Specifically, verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. No, Paul, I'm not going to take it away from you. But I will carry you through this ailment. My grace will be enough. My grace will carry you through your condition, through your suffering. Paul knows what it is to receive a no from God. Consider Jesus, the Son of God, equal with God, one. He is one with Father God. Jesus knows what it is to receive a no from Father God. Briefly referenced this last week, but after the Last Supper, I mean, there is Jesus. They just celebrated the Passover, they're there together, Jesus and his disciples celebrating together. Jesus lifts up these wonderful prayers and he prays for himself. He prays for the people in the room. He prays for all future generations of believers. It's a wonderful prayer time. And then they end that session and they leave the home where they were and they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray some more. And Jesus takes Peter and James and John with him. He says, I want you guys to stay here and pray for me. And Jesus goes off by himself a little bit a distance away to pray to Father God. And the Gospels tell us that his prayers were so intense and his suffering was so great that he began to sweat and his sweat was like drops of blood just pouring out of him. And he's praying to Father God three times. Father God, take this cup away from me. Take this suffering away from me. Father God, if there's any other way to accomplish this, if there's any other way to accomplish the salvation of humankind, can we do it some other way? Because he didn't want to suffer. Who does? And Jesus had the burden of knowing in advance what he was about to endure. The physical torture of being flogged by the Romans. The emotional and spiritual torture of having all of his disciples, except for one, all of his disciples flee and run away. He knew what he was about to endure on the cross. And he cries out to his Father who loved him. He says, God, if there's another way... Please, God. Three times he prays. Please, God, take this away from me. But not my will, but your will be done. And God, the God of love, looks down upon his son and says, No, son, I can't take this away from you. But what does God do for him? There's Jesus, and he's praying, and he's sweating profusely, and he's weak, and he's fragile, and he's emotionally unstable, but God... God sends his angels to strengthen Jesus. Did you ever notice that? God sends his angels to strengthen Jesus. And what happens next is we see that the soldiers come, the temple guard comes, and they're there to arrest Jesus. And we don't see a Jesus that's afraid in that moment. We don't see a Jesus who's sweating and, and nervous and, no, don't do this. No, 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 no. By the time that those soldiers get there, he's strong. and He's confident. 
And he stands before them because he's been strengthened by Father God. He's been strengthened by the angels God has sent. And he says to those, those soldiers, who is it you're looking for? They say, we're looking for Jesus. He says, it's me. Take me. Let these men go free. Take me. A strong, a brave, a courageous Jesus. Strengthened by the Lord. Strengthened by Father God. Father God said, no, I'm not going to spare you this, but I am going to strengthen you so that you can endure what you are about to suffer. Take a look at Philippians. Again, that passage in your bulletin, we looked at verse 6. Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verse 7 continues, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul does not say, lift up your requests to God, and then God will change your circumstances. Not always. That's not how it works. Sometimes we present our request to God, and He does change the circumstances, but not, but not always. But what will God do? Even if He doesn't change the circumstances, what will God do? He will guard our hearts and our minds. He will give us this peace, a peace that transcends understanding. Do you realize the, the gift of this peace? When we consider the gifts that Jesus gives us, sometimes we overlook the gift of His peace. He gives us His peace. A peace that transcends understanding. That means a peace that you can experience even when your whole world is collapsing all around you, when everything is going wrong, when you're just in the midst of life's storms. You can experience the peace of Christ. And other people look at you and say, why aren't you worried? Why aren't you crumbling? Why aren't you broken? And the only answer is the gift of a peace that doesn't make sense. Transcendent peace. When we bring our requests to God, not a guarantee that God will say yes. It's not a guarantee that our circumstances will change. But it is a promise that when we present our request to God, that in exchange, God will give us the gift of his peace. And he will guard against that worry. He will guard against that fear. He will guard our hearts and our minds. Christ Jesus. And look at the way that this played out in the life of Paul. Presented his request to God. In exchange, he received grace. My grace is sufficient for you. He said, God said no, but he gave Paul his grace. Look at how this played out in the life of Jesus. God had to say no to Jesus' prayer request to take this away, but he did give him the strength, the peace, the grace that Jesus needed to continue to endure. You know, I just thought of this yesterday. Um, there's that hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Some of you know that old school hymn? Old school hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? And I would have asked the band to do it, but I just thought of it yesterday, so my apologies to the band. <laughs> But that was my dad's favorite hymn. And I want to read, I'm not going to sing, don't worry. I'm going to read the beginning of that hymn. It's, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It's a privilege to go before God. It's a privilege to be able to carry these burdens, these worries, these, whatever, it is, whatever it is, to bring it before God in prayer. It says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When we present our requests to God, it's not a guarantee that God's going to change his circumstances. It's not a guarantee that God's going to say yes, but it is a promise that when we present our requests to God, that God will bless us with his peace. 
peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, this might sound like a very kind of complicated spiritual thing, but think about it this way. It's also very practical because these circumstances that are beyond our control, these things that we're praying about, these things that give us anxiety, here's, here, here's the reality of it. All we can do is pray. That's all we can do. So many times, like, this is beyond my control. I can't change the circumstances. I can't manipulate this in the right direction. I can't do anything other than pray. And when we present our requests to God, we can say, now, now it's in God's hands. I've done all that I can. I've placed it in God's hands. I've given my request to God. Now, now it's out of my hands, and it's in His. And when we present those requests to God, we receive peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. One of my goals is going through this two-part message series is I want you to pray fearlessly. I want you to pray fearlessly. Now, last week we talked about the fact that sometimes we're afraid to pray because we're afraid to pray wrong. Well, I'm not sure if I'm saying the words right. Don't be afraid of that. This week I want you to think about this. Sometimes we're afraid to pray because we're afraid that God's not going to answer our prayers. That's, that holds us back sometimes. Well, I don't want to pray over this because I'm not sure that God will say, don't worry about it, all right? That's out of your hands. Remember, you're not making a command. It's a request. Don't be afraid. Present your request to God and then trust that he knows how to answer those prayers, right? God knows what he's doing. Has he not proven that to you? He's proven it to me. God knows what he's doing. So don't be afraid to pray, pray big prayers. Don't be afraid to pray over the small stuff. Don't be afraid to pray over the big stuff. You just present those requests to God and you let him handle it from there, right? Present your requests to God fearlessly and trust that he will answer your prayers the way they need to be answered. Not necessarily the way that you want them to be answered, but the way that those prayers need to be answered. And so I would like you as individuals, I'd like you to think about what is it that you need to be praying about right now? What is it that you need to be praying about right now? And a great way to answer that question is to ask yourself another question. What's worrying you? What's worrying you? What's giving you anxiety? What's giving you stress? Because that's the thing. Or those are the things that you need to be praying about. So we will lift up those prayer requests fearlessly, not concerning ourselves with how God will answer because that's beyond our control. God may say no, but even in the no, he will give us his peace. And even if our circumstances don't change, when we present our request to God, his grace will be sufficient for us. Let's pray. Give us thankful hearts, God. Give us thankful hearts when we come before you. Just acknowledging how wonderful it is that you've given us this opportunity to, to commune with you, to speak with you. And Father God, we, we believe these words of Scripture. We believe that when we present our requests to you, then they're in your hands and, and you can give us that peace. And that's what we want, Jesus. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what the circumstances, we want to experience your peace, your protection, your strength, your grace. These are the things we need to make our way through this life. And so, Father God, you know the unique burdens each one of us is carrying. So, God, I ask that you would take, take these burdens, take these worries, take these sources of anxiety. And, Father God, we present our requests to you, trusting that you will answer our prayers exactly the way that they need to be answered. 
In Jesus' name, amen.